1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: So many of my closest friends are in the dating pool. They are dating around, and I love living through them because I've been married for three years this month. And on the topic of dating, we all know someone who has met their person on Match. Match believes the most important relationship is with yourself. And I completely agree. So in a world where you can choose to do anything or anyone, Choose you first because dating someone who knows what they want and won't settle for less, that's sexy as hell, if you ask me. And Match's latest study of over 5,000 singles says there's a new triple threat on the dating horizon, therapy, self-care, and emotional maturity. 87% of singles says it's very important for their partner to prioritize their mental health and 81 report they engage in self-care at least monthly. And we are all about that here on TBB podcast. If you do you, you already know the best relationships show up when you show up for yourself first. There's never been a better time to try match. Download the match app today. I actually miss dating. I had so much fun in the dating pool in the dating land and it's a lot of fun. So I always tell my friends who are looking for their match, don't ever get down on the fact that you're not with your person yet. Just have fun because everything happens in divine timing and the better that you know yourself, the sooner that you will realize, oh, I like this person too, because I really do feel like it all starts with self-love. So if that sounds like you, check out the Match app. I can't wait to hear what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balance Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations, we go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around, let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Balance Mind podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Today, we have a much-anticipated episode with the integrative pediatrician, Dr. Joel Warsh, aka Dr. Joel Gator, on Instagram. He is a board-certified pediatrician as well as an influencer in his own right. He has 143,000 followers on Instagram, where he shares functional medicine tips for kids. And this is a godsend for parents. So when I was pregnant, I started following him because I was seeking information that was different and beyond the status quo. And he's not afraid to do that. So he shares all sorts of information from nutrition advice to talking about chemicals that are in our food, what's actually safe for our babies and what might not be as safe. And he thinks out of the box. So he is a board certified pediatrician. He has his master's in epidemiology. So I love the place that he comes from, which is a blend of Western medicine and the natural world. And I'm so thankful for this. And I'm so happy that pediatricians exist out there of this nature, because when I fell very ill five or six years ago, I had to become my own health advocate. I had to find my own functional medicine doctor who thought outside of the box, who could do the additional testing, who could look deeper into why I got sick, which oftentimes is environment, it's atmosphere, it's stress, it's food. It's the toxic world that we live in. And sometimes that calls for more. So we love doctors, we love medicine, but also when it comes to our kids, I wanted to have a very balanced approach and look at things from all angles. And so that's why I love integrative medicine. And that's what integrative really means. It's the blend of Western and natural. And if I have that kind of doctor for myself, why would I not want to have that kind of doctor for my child? So Dr. Warsh is not our specific pediatrician, but we have someone really similar. And in this episode, we talk all about how there are only a couple integrative doctors that are pediatricians like this in Los Angeles. And you'd think that we would be ahead of the curve because we're a metropolitan city that's obsessed with health and wellness, but alas, we're not. However, I think a lot of people are training to go in a more integrative direction, especially watching what's going on in the world right now. I mean, we need advice. We need guidance when it comes to health and that goes beyond traditional medicine. And this is not an episode to say that we don't love and respect all doctors, because we do. I love the doctors listening to this podcast. I love the nurses listening. I have such a respect for all points of view and all opinions. So this is ours. And this is one conversation of many that I hope to have on this topic. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts, especially if you're a parent or wanting to have kids one day, or maybe this is a field that you're interested in getting into. You can check out Dr. Joel Gator on Instagram, where he talks about conscious parenting. He talks about nutrition. He talks about chemicals in our food. Like I was saying, he does like back to school medicine cabinet series. He does all sorts of wonderful things. And I am so thankful. And by the way, in case you're wondering, in case you're out there thinking like, what are they going to talk about? Is this going to be super woo woo? It's really not. He is such a science-based guy. If anything, I'm more woo woo. I'm more out there, but he kept me very down to earth and it was a really wonderful conversation. So I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. And before we get into the conversation, I wanted to say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I hope whatever you're doing this week is special and nourishing to your soul. I'm in Carmel with my family, and it has been wonderful. And also, check out our TBB merch, which is now launched and in the world. Some of you have received yours already, and I'm absolutely loving, loving seeing the photos and the videos that you're tagging me in on Instagram we created this merch for our podcast listeners, like specifically for you guys. I included things that we talk about on this podcast, like visualizing. We have a visualize it mug, which would make such a good holiday gift. We have the not from here sweatshirt because we always say hashtag not from here. And we have the celestial club sweatshirt as well as two other mugs and a tote bag. So check it out. The link is in the show notes as well as on my new revamped website. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that you're here, whether you are a longtime listener, or this is your first time listening to the podcast, you have found it at the perfect time. And I'm so elated to chat with you. Let's get into it with Dr. Joel Gator. What I love about you is that you are an integrative pediatrician. And you were just telling me there's not that many of you guys, especially here in LA. So tell us how you found that path. And let's just start there.
1: Yeah, so I think that most people get into integrative medicine with some sort of personal health issue or problem, which isn't actually the case for me. I went through all the regular... Training and, and I met my wife during my medical training, who was pretty holistic minded. So I think that was the first thing that kind of pushed me in that direction. But really, it was just seeing so many kids and even adults and friends go through the regular system and not get better for years and then go to a natural provider and then maybe a couple of weeks or even a couple of months get totally better. And I was like, wait, what is going on here? Why are people going to some other practitioner? and getting better. What What is happening? Why is this? And why do I not know about this? So that's when I just started learning about natural medicine and integrative medicine. And I've been learning about it ever since. There's not one specific definition of integrative medicine, but it, it's really just blending the best of both worlds together, natural medicine and modern Western medicine. That's what I practice at my office.
0: Mm-hmm. And you work with babies and then up to the age of?
1: Mm, like 20-ish.
0: Oh, okay. That was like me. I saw my pediatrician (laughs) until I was like 20. And I realized I should probably go get an adult doctor.
1: (laughs) Sometimes you got to kick them out. You got to be like, all right, guys, I think it's time. (laughs) It's time to
0: leave the nest. Something I'm curious about with this integrative approach is you learned a lot in medical school. You are a board certified pediatrician. After that, what are the studies? Is it like a passion and you're just researching the daily cutting edge stuff? Or have you gotten additional certifications?
1: So, that's a good question. And there's such a wide range of what integrative medicine is, right? So, there are other certifications if you want to. There's not really a specific, you know, you do like a fellowship, let's say in cardiology for the heart or studying the kidneys or the brain, but that's not exactly how it is for integrative medicine. So, I did some functional medicine training. I did training with the American Academy of Integrative Medicine as well. So, I did some certifications and reading really on my own. But you could do, you know, Chinese medicine, you could do veda. You could do homeopathy. There's so many different worlds that you could do it. It's really just about what you're interested in. And the more you learn, the more you know, and the more you can use for your patients when it's reasonable in that situation. And that's what I feel like we should be doing in medicine in general. It's just knowing about some of these other philosophies and using whatever is best on the day. I'm not against Western medicine at all. I say this all the time. I'm not against it. I think we've made amazing strides in modern medicine and something that would have killed you just years ago, now we have cures for it. And if you have a bad pneumonia, it's great that we have an antibiotic, but there are so many situations where you don't need a medication and we way, way, way over prescribe in modern medicine. And that's because we don't have other options available a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you learn about some of these other things and you can try those things first, and yes, some things can be unsafe. So that's why you have to learn about these things because just because it's natural doesn't mean it's totally safe. But there are many things that are in general, much safer than medications that you could try first especially when it comes to a virus where there isn't an antibiotic that you could use anyways to, it doesn't help, right? So then Mm -hmm. at least you can use some support to help those kids and families, which parents love, and it can avoid using a medication.
0: Okay, so one of the top questions that I get asked is how I take care of my hair And I feel like you guys know I'm very particular and I do not use just any hair products. I'm actually very minimal when it comes to the products that I use. And one thing I do use is K18 and we're going to talk about it today. K18 is bringing you the future of hair care with their leave-in molecular repair hair mask that reverses damage in just four minutes. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this clinically proven breakthrough repairs damage from bleach and color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. The secret is their patented K18 peptide born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity in the innermost layers of your hair. And since most damage is ongoing because we're all continuing to get our hair highlighted and putting heat on our hair, You can start fresh with stronger, softer, smoother, bouncier hair that lasts. No wonder their leave-in molecular repair hair mask went viral. Best part is K18's easy leave-in fits into any routine, so you can repair daily damage with less stress and frustration and unlock new levels of self-expression. Bring your hair into the future with K18 molecular repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com shop k18's leave-in molecular repair hair mask at sephora and sephora.com you well love it and i cannot wait to hear what you think love you guys are you looking for some good clean positivity good me neither i'm maddie murphy and i host the bad broadcast a
1: weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we'd love to hate i searched my whole life to find my passion little did i know i had been practicing my true
0: talent every single day complaining. Join me every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at the bad broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. I mean, we live in a very over-medicated society and like you said, when it's needed, amazing. But a lot of us are over medicated Mm -hmm. and a bit of my journey because I'm not sure if you're familiar why I got so interested in integrative medicine and why my son sees an integrative pediatrician is because I was failed by the Western medicine system for many years. I had chronic Lyme disease and mold illness and was just down this path for far too long that left me so hopeless and I started to find natural ways of healing and also functional medicine doctors who would blend Western with natural. So I'm so thankful that people like you exist for our children. The children are the future. I mean, a lot of us, I think I'm 31. We have some health stuff we'll be dealing with because of the toxins in the world that we didn't know about when I was a kid. The way that my parents raised me, which was pretty healthy, but of course we know a lot more now. Mm -hmm. So
1: what are your thoughts on all that? Well, the statistics themselves are terrifying, right? If you look at the statistics on chronic disease, 70% or so of adults have a chronic disease. About 50% of kids have a chronic disease, somewhere in that range. I mean, it keeps changing depending on what study you look at, but it's definitely more than 50% at this point for adults. Many adults are on a medication. 50% of kids should not have a chronic disease, meaning asthma, allergies, mental health concerns, something. That was not the case just a few years ago, not even two, three decades ago. Autism rates continue to go up every single year. And nobody's raising a flag and saying, this is an issue, but it is a serious issue. And I think in medicine, we've become so focused on treatment, which again, it's important, but it's not the only thing going on. And at this point, prevention and chronic disease, I think is just as important as acute disease and illness. And we have to balance those two worlds. And we have to start to focus again on prevention and thinking about chronic disease and thinking about what we can do to prevent chronic disease from occurring in our kids or else they're all gonna have some sort of disease in 10, 20 years. I mean, that's just where we're going. And that's like, why are we not doing something about that?
0: Yeah, why are we not? And why, like you said, before we started recording, are there only three doctors in L.A. for children who are integrative in this way?
1: It, well, it's not something that's part of the regular system, right? And if you want to learn about it, either you have to go you have to go do more learning, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, you have to be mm-hmm. interested in it. You have to be passionate in it. And there isn't an exact specific route. So you have to either have some something that pushes you in that direction or some sort of mentor that guides you. Or you just even need to be aware of it in general because it's just something where when you go through the regular system you either don't learn anything about or it's kind of put down.
0: Right. Speaking of being put down, how do you deal with that on social media? I follow you diehard. You know, I repost so (laughs) much of your stuff. I love the stuff that you share. Everybody listening should go follow him. (laughs) Just for more information and more information that we don't hear on a daily basis, especially because of the system Mm -hmm. that we are conditioned into living. How do you deal with the toxic Internet that we were speaking of and just all the opinions?
1: Number one for me, I think it's just about recognizing that no matter what you put out there, there's going to be some people that are upset about it. So that it doesn't really bother me at all anymore. I'm just doing it to help teach and, and share my knowledge. And so th- I know that that's just going to be a part of the deal no matter what you do. It's sometimes mm-hmm. it's kind of funny to see some of the things that people get angry about. I don't know why everyone's so angry online, and but they are. But I think for me, it's nice that I'm an MD to that degree of at least I can come from that, that standpoint of having a training. I I have a master's in epidemiology and and research as well. So I'm pretty good at balancing between both worlds. And I try to do that as best as I can to minimize the anger. There are certain topics that you're going to post about that's going to make people mad no matter what you say. But I try to do things by posing questions and starting discussions. So that way we can talk about these things and question things without attacking. I think Mm -hmm. that's always a problem is people get very defensive, especially the medical system. They get very defensive, like that's not research-based or you don't know what you're talking about. So if you can come at it from kind of that balanced perspective of talking about both sides, the pros and the cons, and I think that helps to decrease some of the anger and some of the attacks, especially from the medical establishment, where I try to be very specific when I talk about things and talk about the medical part too, and then say, well, here's where we don't have information, but maybe this could be useful or speak to your practitioner about it. So it's just balancing both worlds. And I don't think most people do that, especially these days, everything seems to be so extreme. Everything's divisive, especially when it comes to health and medicine. These days, and you have the, you know, modern medicine world to the right, and then you have the crazy woo-woo holistic medicine to the left. And sometimes people even in natural medicine, they go way too far outside of their lane. And that's used in modern medicine. They look, all these things are quackery and and snake oil. And we don't have you know this information on it. And, and this one person died 20 years ago. So therefore, you should never use it again. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think makes it very difficult is people not staying within their lane and kind of making wild claims that could also hurt people as well. So it's just fostering that divide instead of people coming together and sharing what they know and then blending both worlds.
0: Totally. It's not so salacious. And that's <laughs> what the world we live in, unfortunately, is is looking for that. It's looking for the outlier to say that because of this outlier situation, someone who stepped out of their lane, all natural healing is quackery. And obviously you are an MD, you have a master's in epidemiology. What does that mean for those of us who may not know?
1: So epidemiology is basically public health. It's like study of of science, research, and data and statistics and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, I agree. I mean it's not it's not all quackery, right? It's it's ridiculous. And the thing that I think most people, even in modern medicine, forget is that most medicine comes from natural medicine first, right? Aspirin comes from tree bark. And acupuncture was super woo-woo like 30 years ago. And you were like, okay, I would never do that. And then now it's in every hospital and use instead of pain medication. So everything kind of moves forward as it gets studied or researched or slowly gets accepted into the modern medical world. And it's just tough. I think it's tough because you do want research, right? You do want data. You don't just want to give kids something that could be dangerous to them. But it's really hard to get data that you need on natural substances and immune support and vitamins because there's nobody studying it because the money is in pharmaceuticals and that's who has the money to do the double-blind control research trials that you need. So it's not that a pharmaceutical company is necessarily doing evil by studying medicine. That's what they do. That's their job. That's That's what their company does. So nobody is really doing the research on these other things. So it's really hard to have data that shows that elderberry syrup is good or vitamin D is good because there's not there's just no money behind that
0: exactly and when you're speaking I'm just thinking those of us who Mm. lean that direction I always think we can be a bit ahead of our time I think Mm -hmm. as a doctor you're ahead of your time because a lot of this stuff is not proven by science yet and I think a lot of it will be just like you're talking about acupuncture 30 years ago and it's good to be ahead of your time. It's good to be cutting edge. Yeah. It's tough because we live in a very <laughs> divisive society. But, but it's
1: not really, right? It's, it's actually the opposite of that. Most of these things have been around forever. Modern well, medicine- Ancient wisdom. It, it, right. Modern medicine is actually the new thing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's very arrogant uh, that modern medicine, the way that we are in, in Western society, is like, this is the best way. This is the only way. It's only been around for a few decades, right? Or I don't know, hundred years, whatever you want to decide is the beginning of modern medicine. But most of these other things have been around forever for thousands of years they have been used in other countries and other places and they've been used very safely and effectively but we just don't know about it and probably if something's been used for thousands of years it probably has some sort of logic or science behind it it's just that we don't necessarily have the data for it again doesn't mean that something can't be dangerous but if if a culture has been using an herb for 10,000 years they probably have a good reason and it probably works right but they wouldn't be still using it.
0: That's my feeling when I get the questions of, I can't believe that you see a Chinese medicine doctor and she's using kinesiology and nutrition response testing on your body. I'm like, well, these ancient wisdoms have been working for quite some time and they're working for me. And so there's a lot of anecdotal stuff that goes into that as well. But
1: there's also lots of data, right? There, there's mm-hmm. lots, of, it's a big internet. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of research studies done on many of the supplements, many of the treatment modalities. They probably don't have as robust or strong data as the medications because they don't have the money to do a double-blind study. But that doesn't mean there aren't thousands of studies on vitamin D or thousands of studies on elderberry that at least infer that there's potentially some benefit for it. And at the end of the day, in general, if something has some anecdotal or at least moderate level data that shows that it could be effective with very minimal harm and in a situation where you've already seen your doctor and you know it's not serious and you're not really worried then why can't you try some of these natural alternatives where there's very minimal risk in those kind of situations to avoid taking a medication or antibiotic? There's no Mm -hmm. logical reason that we can't do that Mm -hmm. often. We we give every baby vitamin D, theoretically, but then every other vitamin or or nutrient is woo-woo. It doesn't make sense.
0: (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't. I know, that's why I'm so glad that you're (laughs) out there posting on social media and you also have your many, many patients because some things need to be questioned and pushed against the status quo. Our next partner is a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great in the morning and I wanted to see what the hype was all about. It's actually on my kitchen table right now. And my sister walked in earlier today and said, how good is this stuff? Because I've been seeing it everywhere. And I said, why don't you try it? And she actually loved it. So you're probably wondering, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It is lifestyle-friendly, so whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's for you. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. And it also is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com blonde. Again, that is athleticgreens.com blonde to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you guys know that one in eight couples struggle with infertility? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or are not even ready to talk about, but we need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Knowledge is power. And I really do feel like in this world of TBB approved stuff that we talk about, all I want is for you guys to know what's going on in your bodies. That's why we have Dr. Warsh on the podcast today. So that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within six business days. Traditional hormone testing can be very expensive, but Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com blonde 30, you can get $30 off your test. You'll get insight into your hormone levels like your ovarian reserve, aka if you have more or fewer eggs than average for your age, and other important factors that can impact your fertility. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. So all of this is about knowledge is power. We don't want to scare anyone. We just want you to have info about your body. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $30 off your test when you go to modernfertility.com blonde30. This is a limited time offer for $30 off. That means your test will cost $149. Hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost more than three times as much. Get $30 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com blonde30. modernfertility.com blonde30. Something that you posted about that I really loved was questioning why do we say that a vegan or vegetarian diet for a baby or for a child is unsafe when people are like willingly eating McDonald's and feeding their kid fast food and all this stuff that we know can be harmful, genetically modified food, et cetera. Let's talk about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I think that's a great, great topic. And we can start with, you know, the McDonald's and those kinds of things. I mean, the modern American diet with preservatives and chemicals and fast food, we know that's not good. That to me is probably the number one reason chronic disease is skyrocketing. We are literally built of what we eat. And if we're not getting the nutrients that we need, then how do you expect your body to function appropriately? And there's definitely a lot of debate out there about vegan diets, vegetarian diets, whether you can be healthy or not. I've seen lots of patients that have been super healthy. I know the arguments on both sides. I understand them. But I think that, you know, by and large, where everybody agrees is that you can be a meat eater, and be unhealthy. You can be a vegetarian and be unhealthy. You could be a vegetarian and be healthy. You could be a meat eater, but it depends on what you're eating, right? It depends on what you're eating. If you have a full balanced diet, if you're getting all the nutrients that you need and where are you getting those nutrients from? I would much rather somebody eat more plant-based, but eat real food from their garden or from you know the grocery store than to lots of chemicals and toxins and dyes and preservatives. You know, it's it's a balance between both things, but it's not one or the other. Everyone has their own preferences, and I don't try to push my preferences onto other people. Lots of people get pretty angry. That's one of those subjects that people get pretty angry on because diet (laughs) is is a
0: very sensitive subject for people, let Mm -hmm. me tell you. For those of us who are planning on raising our kids plant based or mostly plant based, what are some important things for us to know? What should we focus on making sure that they eat? And supplement wise, what can we add?
1: I think the main thing is making sure you're getting a balanced diet, making sure you're getting the proteins that you need, making sure you're getting all the vitamins. If you're fully vegan, you're not going to be getting B12, some of the B vitamins. So just even having a multivitamin can be really helpful just to make sure that you're at least being exposed to all of those nutrients. I can say at least from my experience, I've seen very healthy kids and the majority of the unhealthy kids that I see are the ones that eat a very poor diet of chemicals and toxins. So to me, at least when I'm talking about these things, that's what I focus on is mm-hmm. focusing on the things that you can control, what you purchase, reading food labels. That to me is the number one most important thing that parents can do to change today if they're not doing it is make sure when you go to the store that you're reading the label. If you have some long chemical thing that you don't even know what it is, it's probably not good for you. No, (laughs)
0: definitely not. And you posted that thing about the blue dye, which Mm -hmm. is in so many different things that we don't even realize from blue Gatorade to Skittles, etc. And... We just don't know what kind of harmful chemicals, or we do know that that's a harmful chemical. I
1: mean, we're pretty sure. Here's the thing. If it's some artificial chemical, why would it be good for you?
0: Mm-hmm. Right? There's, just,
1: there's no logical reason to need those things. We, were never, we, we never developed as a human species to have these things. These are all new. Right? Mm-hmm. All of these chemicals and preservatives are for the most part new in the last hundred or so years, but we haven't changed or evolved that much. We, right. we evolved to eat real food, that was local that we either hunted and killed, you know, around you or, or in the gardens that you had or the farms that you had nearby. That's what our bodies have grown to know how to eat. And we've changed that so much over the last 50 to 100 years, but we haven't evolved to deal with these changes. And, and that's making us sick. We just don't have the nutrients that we need. Even if you eat an apple, it's not the same as it used to be.
0: Definitely not.
1: You know, it's still covered in stuff. I mean, it may be sprayed or not with pesticides. And most people don't even realize even if it is organic, doesn't mean that after that point when they pick it, they don't put all sorts of stuff on it. Mm-hmm. They do. They put wax on it. They put other things. Who knows what's in that stuff? So even if you think you're eating healthy, you might be eating something that has still chemicals on it. I right. mean, a lot of the produce that's in our grocery stores have been picked a while ago. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think about that's one thing for us as adults. But then I think about our kids and that just makes me so much more passionate to live a healthy life, even more so. That was always my passion. But now with my baby in mind, and I know you have a little boy, too, it just lights a whole different kind of fire.
1: It, does. it really does. And that's why I try to raise awareness around these things, because I'm learning about some of this stuff as well. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but and we don't get a lot of training in nutrition as a doctor, which is crazy. But I mean, that's one of those things that everybody always posts about online is like, oh, doctors don't. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of nutrition. We learn about nutritional deficiencies. So how to recognize scurvy or something mm-hmm. like that, which, you know, obviously no one's having scurvy these days, but right. we do know how to recognize it. I guess if we have run a pirate ship at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have a lot of training. So you have to learn about it on your own. And I learn about it from reading yes. and talking to people and, and, and researching. But the more that I look into it, the more that it's, it's wild what we just don't know, because we're so dissociated from the food that we eat. And even if you think you're eating healthy, like an apple, it's totally different to pick an apple off a tree and eat it than it is to have them pick it off a tree, put it in the machine, take it to a plant, wash that thing, run over conveyor belt, spray it in a bunch of wax, send it across the country to somewhere else, sit on the shelf. for It's two weeks since it's been picked and it looks appetizing because they sprayed it in a a glossy covering. But you know if if you have a garden at home or you pick something that's actually fresh, how long does it last? (laughs) <laughs> when yeah. you take it, it's like three days, right? No, Two, absolutely. three days, But then it's bad. So what are we doing to the food to not have it look bad, right? There has to be something going on. Mm-hmm. And that thing is going into you. And it doesn't mean that just because you eat an apple, it's going to cause you have problems. But that's just the way that I started things thinking about things. Like we yes. have to think about that and maybe change our food system somehow to get more local stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And l- I admire doctors like you, because like you said, there's not a lot of training in nutrition. But that's why I think people who graduate from medical school and become doctors, I have such admiration for people who continue to learn because you actually care and you're passionate and you want to know and you want to help people and you also want to live a healthy life yourself. So something you posted that I really thought was so fascinating and I want to talk to you about is the autism rates skyrocketing. I might butcher this, but I think Mm. you said it used to be one in 50 and now it's one in 30 children. Is this correct? And can you tell us why you think that is?
1: The rates are debatable depending on where you look, but they used to be 1 in in 100, then it was 1 in 50, then it was 1 in the 30s somewhere, whatever you you look. Whatever it is, it's it's going up significantly. And it's gone up like 50% or a huge amount in the last couple of years. So the debate around it is, is it better diagnosis or do we have more kids with autism? And I personally, and most people that I've spoken to, and most people in the health industry in general, do believe that the rates are going way up. And 40% of kids with autism are nonverbal. So I don't think that we would have missed that level of a percentage of kids that had very serious levels of autism. Now, there's autism is a spectrum. And I think that's really important. There are many kids that have autism that are supremely functional. Many kids are very advanced with autism. So there's a wide range of of what what that can be. And so, yes, I'm sure the diagnosis has increased and that has increased the numbers to some degree, but at least to be based on how frequently I've seen it, the practitioners that work with autistic children, the amount of children and families that have extreme difficulty with with kids with autism who are nonverbal, who commit self-harm, all, all of these things on the other side of the spectrum, that to me and to everyone I've spoken to in the health industry, they have seen it all gone up too. So I think it's a real increase, but you know, that's where the debate lies. And to me, we don't know why it's gone up. I think th- I think that's the question, right? Mm-hmm. That's the question. then that's the question I like, was why, what is going on? that we have rates of autism skyrocketing to that level over just such a short amount of time to the point where there has been research that have showed in 10, 20, 30 years, it might be like one in two or one in three kids have autism if the rates keep increasing at the way that they are. And that should be a huge flag to say like, what is going on? What are we doing in society that the rates are going in this direction? And we need to figure it out, right? We have to figure out, my assumption is it's the toxins that we're surrounded by and the crappy food that we're eating and the stressed lives. All of those things combined, but we don't really know. And we're not even close to knowing it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you said what your assumptions are, and we do live in a very toxic world. So, for families who are dealing with that, and especially in the more severe cases of a nonverbal child, is there anything alternative or even non alternative that helps? I know, for example, I had someone on this podcast who had something similar going on with her son and she was exploring things like hyperbaric chamber and ozone and stem cells. Have you seen anything helping in that way?
1: I've definitely seen tons of things helping. I'm not a specific autism practitioner. I obviously work with autistic children. But the first thing is if you want to work on this, if you want to work on Trying to maximize their potential, and if there are symptoms that concern you with your child with autism, there are practitioners that do this. But th- there's no one size fits all because autism is not one thing, there's no way mm-hmm. it's just one thing. It's a diagnosis, but there are practitioners that would go through this to a significant degree with you, look at your child, the specifics of your child, and that is what makes the biggest difference. Is having some practitioner that gets to know you, spends a lot of time with you. We can't do that in the regular modern system, you can't do that in five minutes. You need to spend hours. Learning about what their difficulties are with their symptoms and then trying to work on some of those. And yeah, like there's ozone therapy, there's supplements and herbs, changing up your diet often helps a lot. So, changing up your environment, all of these things can be a factor that can contribute to some of their symptoms. And if you improve things or change things, then sometimes you can see improvements. I, I have seen kids that have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum and then later on in life, they're taken off of that because the family makes so many changes and they do supplement protocols and they do, you know, all sorts of different things. There's all sorts of experimental things out there. And, and eventually their symptoms you know go away or minimize or, or they just don't have them anymore. And whether that was just gonna happen anyways, or whether it was the tireless effort of those families to go and try all sorts of different things and they maybe figured out what their trigger was. It's hard to know. There's no question that it happens. And people that say that doesn't happen, that's ridiculous because I've seen it. Right. With my honest, I've seen kids that get diagnosed and then get taken off of that diagnosis mm-hmm. later. And there are many, many, many stories out there now. You know, Just like autoimmune disease, it's, it's, it's the modern medical system is wrong when it comes to that. There are things that you can do sometimes. Sometimes you have a certain genetics where there's nothing you're going to do and you're going to have cystic fibrosis or whatever, then that's just your diagnosis and you can manage it, but you have it. But most of the conditions that are chronic, there are things that you can do to optimize your function.
0: I agree. Because living with a chronic illness, I (laughs) have, that has become a big passion of mine. And I do believe in healing for a lot of different chronic autoimmune diseases, which is, you know, a whole topic in and of (laughs) itself.
1: But you've, but you lived it and you've seen Mm -hmm. it, right? And that's why it's, it's wild to me, but I think it's just going to take it happening to enough people for those patients to go back to the modern medical doctors and then be like, wait a minute, like, why are your numbers so much better? Mm -hmm. What did you do? Oh, you did this? Well, I got to look at that. Because the thing is, and I think people forget, like, doctors are good people, right? (laughs) Like, pediatricians go into their job to help kids. So they're not bad people that like, don't want you to be healthy or, or against you. We're on the same team. But I think when you think naturally, it's just not what is taught in modern medicine, or sometimes it can be at odds. To mm-hmm. it or it kind of, I don't know, there's like an arrogance there that kind of like shoves in the face of what we've learned, which doesn't need to be there. And I think the more that we see success in the natural world, the more it's going to diffuse into the modern medical world. And there's no way that a good human being who's a doctor, who takes care of, let's say, kidney patients and all their patients are going this other place and getting better, they're not gonna be like, I don't wanna learn about what's going on. They will wanna learn what's mm-hmm. going on and they're gonna wanna make sure it gets studied. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it's, it's really about continuing to fight your own path and find your own way. And if it's not working out in the medical system, then work also with somebody in the natural system. And then hopefully between the two, you can figure out how to get to a better place.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that with my own path. Like a lot of doctors that I've gone back to, they're excited to learn about what's been helping me. And some of them, the ego is too strong. And they're just like, well, you don't even have chronic Lyme disease. It doesn't even exist. And that's a whole other story. But back to our topics that we're talking about, a lot of people wanted me to ask you, what are some good questions to ask an integrative doctor or a pediatrician when interviewing to find a pediatrician for your child?
1: That's a great question. So uh, the thing to me that's, overarching for this is You want to find a good fit. So you have to decide what your values are and what you're looking for in your pediatrician and what you're looking for in the office. And then you can ask your questions around that. Are you looking for somebody who's integrative? Are they open to, you know, if you're a vegan, vegetarian, are they going to be open to that? Do you want a small office or do you want a big office? Some offices have 20 doctors, other ones have one or two. And there's plus or minuses with both. Do You want to see your doctor every time because uh, if you're in a bigger office, you might not be able to do it, but you're pretty much always going to get in. If you're in a smaller office, then you might not always, your doctor might be away on vacation and then there isn't necessarily somebody there. So what what is it that you value? Do you want that small personal relationship? Do you want the kind of doctor and practice where you know they know who you are and, and you get to know them pretty well and, and there's not a lot of patients or do you want a big office? And those are the kind of things where that's just a personal choice. There's not a right answer for those kinds of things. Um, what do they do after hours? You know, are you, gonna, are you the kind of parent that you know that you're worried about everything and you're going to want to message them or, or have somebody to talk to after hours? You know, Those mm-hmm. are kind of things that are good considerations. What insurances do they take? Do you want to pay insurance? How long do they spend with you? You know, A lot of practitioners, especially when you get into the natural world, especially for adults, but, but for kids, they don't take insurance. So do you want to pay thousands of dollars per year? For your healthcare, you there's pluses and minuses with that, right? You you could already pay two, three thousand dollars for your insurance and then do you want to pay more money for a doctor. But then if you do that, what benefits do you get? You get mm-hmm. more time and you know they might spend an hour with you, right? right. So it, it just it just depends on what you're looking for and, and also what you can afford and what you value. Some people value the time they're gonna spend with the doctor, and so they're willing to do a little bit more and pay a little bit more, and other people they just want to make sure that they get in with a doctor. And maybe they work with a natural practitioner too. There's lots of people. And this is one of the questions I get often. What do I do if I don't have a natural doctor in my area, but I want one? And a lot of people work with both, right? You can have a regular doctor and a natural doctor or yes. practitioner.
0: let's talk about my favorite topic, which is ketamine therapy. So when people tell you, you just need to take better care of yourself, that is not a response to mental health struggles. You know, you live with it. Sometimes you need something more to achieve a real and lasting breakthrough. Maybe it's time you check out a guided ketamine therapy program from Mindbloom. So we've done a ketamine episode on this podcast. I highly recommend listening to it. And if you want to try ketamine therapy at home, I highly recommend Mindbloom. Mindbloom is the leader in at-home ketamine therapy. They offer a combination of science-backed medicine with a clinician and guided support for people looking to improve their mental health and well-being. Mindbloom connects you to a licensed psychiatric clinician to help you achieve a better outcome with lower cost, greater convenience, and an artfully crafted experience. So first, you'll take their online assessment and schedule a video consult to determine if it is right for you. And then you'll discuss your health history and your goals for mental health treatment. So after only two sessions, 87% of Mindbloom clients reported improvements in depression and 85% reported improvements in anxiety. I do ketamine for anxiety. It helps me so much. And I truly believe this is the next chapter in mental health and well-being. And I want this for everyone. Right now, Mindbloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first succession program when you sign up at mindbloom.com blonde and use promo code blonde at checkout. Go to mindbloom.com blonde promo code blonde for $100 off your first succession program. That is mindbloom.com slash blonde promo code blonde. And if they don't have one in their area, can they do zoom with you? Or can they do zoom with similar people?
1: So with medicine, it's hard. Sometimes you can, but mostly got to be within the state that you're You're boarded to do some medical stuff. You can do like coaching sessions and there are ways around it to some degree. But for medical stuff, you really need to be in that state and seeing them because you have to a lot of times see what's going on. But there are naturopathic doctors and alternative practitioners that can see people everywhere. And so that's what I think a lot of people do more for Zoom is they'll find like a naturopathic doctor that has great training and great training in natural stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they can go to them for that and go to their doctor for the more medical things and then, you know, just balance between them.
0: Love that answer. And then when you see your families, what are some of the most commonly asked questions you get, specifically when people are new moms or new dads? What do you frequently hear that maybe people are worried about and you can help them not be so worried?
1: Breathing, I think, is a big one. You know, if you're ever worried about breathing, you should obviously get checked. But babies have a lot of interesting breathing patterns when they're born. They might take a few fast breaths and then take a little pause and a gasp. That's called periodic breathing. So that's pretty typical. Obviously, if they're breathing fast consistently or they're turning blue in the face, that's not good. But I think as a new parent, we're so focused on watching every single second and we don't have a good frame of reference for what to be worried about. But the thing I think to remember is in general, if everything's going pretty well and they're they're pretty healthy, then when they're going to have an issue, it's going to be something that progresses. So they're going to have a fever or have some congestion or runny nose, they're gonna have some trouble breathing. It's gonna get worse and worse and worse and then it progresses on. It can happen really quickly, but that's not usually how it happens. It usually progresses. So if you just see like a weird breathing for like a second, it's probably just them being a baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus some sort of issue. But again, see your doctor if you're ever worried. What you realize is you see lots of patients and what I see for sure with parents is the first kid you're really worried And then as you have multiple kids and they get older, like they could have been injured three weeks ago and you're like, why did not you message me? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get you have more frame of reference. It's okay to be worried. I think that's fine. That's what we're here for. Googling things is another, I think, very useful thing to talk about is we have the internet. We have a lot of information and I personally think it's good. I think it's good that we have information that helps parents bring information to us. But what you have to recognize when you are Googling is everything online is extreme. So when you're reading an article on a rash, you're inevitably going to get to cancer or something very serious or chance of death or they're breathing like this. Oh, it could be something that's going to kill you. That's the way it always is because it has to say that legally, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to get taken down into that worst place, but you have to keep in mind as a doctor, we're looking at a picture things not just one thing and so a lot of times people will come in and say my kid is doing this I read about it online I'm very worried but they're also doing everything else normally right. and they're totally fine or when it comes to say developmental milestones like oh I read online that they're supposed to be walking at 12 months but they're 13 months and they're not walking I'm really worried there must be a problem does my kid have a developmental disorder but everything else is completely normal so we look at things in a picture and we remind parents that every kid is different. Every kid develops different. Some kids are faster. Some kids are slower. And if the general picture is fairly normal and they're moving forward against themselves, then it's not necessarily something you have to worry about. But when you Google, it's going to tell you there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You just have to recognize that. And it can help you because sometimes you Google it and you identify a problem and you bring it to the doctor and then they're like, yeah, that we should do something about that. So that's why I think it's okay. But if you Google something, you see something serious, don't automatically freak out because 99.9% of the time when somebody brings you something, it's fine.
0: You don't (laughs) want to over Google. Take that from experience because it's so hard not to do that as a new mother or Mm -hmm. even I did that a lot pregnant. Like what is the percentage of this happening and so many different things. And I think staying off of Google sometimes is a self-care practice as a new parent.
1: For, For sure. But I think it's okay to do it. Just not too much. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I was joking about in the office today with the family and they were like, you know, your job is pretty much to say it's okay. Like 99.9% of what a pediatrician is like, it's fine. It's normal. Right. (laughs) Right? And that's true. That is what we do. But that's okay. That's what we're here for. Right. We Mm -hmm. see kids every day, all the time. And pretty much everything that kids do is usually normal. And it's just not normal for you because you don't know if it's normal or not. So you're worried. But hopefully we can calm that worry and help you to focus on what is important and what you should be worried about versus what we are worrying about. But we definitely worry about too much these days. And, and the internet doesn't help with that. Mm-hmm. And also seeing your friends on Instagram and TikTok and whatever, everything looks perfect. And right. you know, that gets you to worry too. Oh, you know, Johnny's running and they're 13 months. My kid hasn't walked yet. There must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that doesn't help because we didn't really have, we had the comparison of like our siblings before or the cousins, but not all the kids of the world and all the Instagram families where they spend two hours before getting ready. And then take a video of how great they're walking Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) comparison is out of control Mm -hmm. you had a good post about that that said please show realistic parenting Mm -hmm. and i think that's so important and i try to do that here on this podcast talk about the fact that i have loved being a new mother it's been the best time in my life and it's been very hard and it's hard on our relationship and then you have to learn how to be a parent at the same time and there's so much. There's mm-hmm. so much to think about. And like you said, so much to worry about. But we try not to worry. And I love that advice. Do you also give parenting advice to your families? Like people come <laughs> in, and they want to learn about conscious parenting, for example, or gentle parenting. Is there stuff like that that you're into?
1: Definitely. So that's most of what we do, right? I, I think there's the medical side of it. But as a pediatrician, much more than any doctor, a lot of what we do is just general parenting advice, especially these days, I think, because grandparents are not necessarily around like they used to be. There isn't the village that there used to be when most of civilization, you know, when humans were growing up. We were in villages and we had the grandparents there and the other grandparents and the cousins. And they were the ones that you would talk to about what was going on. And they'd say, "Ah, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But most parents don't have that or many parents don't have that anymore. So I think the pediatrician, to some degree, becomes that parenting advice. I mean, there's lots of good books and and other things out there. But in the day-to-day, we become that sounding board. So at least probably 75% of questions in the office are, I would say, more under the parenting advice than medical advice. They're really one and the same. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is one of also the big issues with a lot of the advice out there or the books or other things is it separates a lot of this stuff when it's really connected. I mean, you can't take out our health and wellness from parenting. That's a big part of it too. And the anxiety Mm -hmm. and the stress which feeds into the health consequences. So it's a little bit of a mixture of both, but that is definitely what we do, Mm -hmm. at least certainly what I do. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I love that. Well, you're a special kind of doctor, like we talked about. There's not a lot of people out there like you, especially in this area. And this area (laughs) you would think would be like the most highly populated.
1: Maybe, but there's... But
0: it's, yeah.
1: But I would say there definitely is an increased interest. I definitely surprisingly get people message me all the time. Other physicians are like, oh, I love what you're doing. I, where can I go learn a little more about Instagram? Like it's right. ha- It is happening. It's happening. It's happening. Me- medicine I, takes a long time to change.
0: I see <laughs> the movement too. And that was one reason why I was so excited to do this podcast was because becoming a new parent and then leaning in these alternative ways that I do, you can feel really lonely and really isolated if you are talking to other parents who are doing things super standard and knowing about integrative approaches, you can feel very isolated because there is a comparison. And it's like, everyone's doing something one way. I do something the other way. And so I just want everybody listening to know there are doctors out there like this and there are so many people out there who are open to being a little bit more open-minded and cutting edge and also ancient with their (laughs) wisdom. And I just felt like that was important to say in this conversation from my perspective.
1: Yeah, I I think, number one, there's definitely a trend towards learning about integrative medicine to some degree. I don't think it's most doctors are ever going to be super woo-woo with it. I think that's fine. But I think people are becoming open to some of the basics, at least, which is good. And I think that parents are definitely moving in that direction because it's logic. It's just basic common sense. There's absolutely no reason why you can't blend the best of both worlds together. There's no reason why we can't try to bring some of… I wouldn't even call them ancient practices. Diet and exercise and sleep. (laughs) These are not ancient wisdom. This is a basic stuff. I I call it the seeds of health. Stress, environment and toxins, exercise, diet, and sleep. I mean, these mm-hmm. are your foundations mm-hmm. of life. And we barely talk about it in modern medicine. But obviously, what you eat affects your health. If you have a fish and you dump in a bunch of chemicals into their environment, into their water, you can give them as many medications as you want. They're not going to survive. We're the same th- way, right? If we're mm-hmm. surrounded by chemicals, you can give me as many medicines as you want to, but I'm not going to do well. I'm not, there's no way we're not going to get chronic disease or get sick and we saw this during the pandemic, right? This came out for sure as one of the big things during the pandemic was comorbidities, having multiple health conditions. Yes. That was the biggest risk factor for getting really sick. But that's not new information. That's that's basic common knowledge in medicine that if you have comorbidities and you get exposed to whatever, you have more risk. Right. But we just it just came out, which I think is a, hopefully a good thing from the pandemic at the end of the day if we're going to take something good from it is that there's been a lot more focus on health. And I hope that, we do have a reset to some degree and, and start to recognize that what we do every day matters. Yeah, and it does. that's what's going to affect if our kid has a chronic disease 10 years from now.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's not woo-woo. And none of what we've talked about is woo-woo, I don't think. I think you are so logical and research-based and so level-headed. And I really admire that about you because I think that does help get these messages out there in a way that really resonates with people and introduces this information to people. So as one of my final questions, although I could talk to you forever, (laughs) what are some books that you'd recommend to parents or parents-to-be who want to continue learning about this type of stuff?
1: So in terms of parenting, well, there's a health books, I would say Integrated Pediatrician is a great book by Kathy Kemper. She's a practitioner who started I think, the Harvard integrated medical program and she's in Ohio now. And it's a good book that kind of goes through all the common medical conditions that you would see in childhood, like colds and runny noses and coughs and kind of the data on the medical stuff and the integrative stuff. So I think that's a good book. And that's the one I always recommend to the practitioners too, because it's 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 just science based. It's just the data. And in terms of parenting books, I love Emily Oster's work and then How to Raise an Adult, another really good book. So these are good like parenting books. and Those are my favorites right now. <laughs>
0: Cool. And how can people get in touch with you? Are you taking any more patients? Are you full? People we- <laughs> can obviously follow you on Instagram.
1: Yes, yeah, so you can find me at Dr. Joel Gator. Our office is in Studio City. So you can reach out. We sometimes do take some patients. The other doctor takes more of the patients at this point, but I take some new babies and that's integrative pediatrics and medicine in Studio City. And then my website has lots of master classes on parenting and all sorts of different topics.
0: Cool. I love it. And you are an influencer. People should know. You have a lot of followers. You have incredible engagement. And you share such quality info that I'm such a fan of.
1: Thank you. (laughs) And before
0: we finish, I have to ask you, because I ask everybody, what is your zodiac sign? Taurus. You're a Taurus. Mm -hmm. When's your birthday? May 10. May Mm 10. Love it. (laughs) I love a Taurus. Very grounded, (laughs) earthy. And final question then, because we're now on the topic of woo-woo things. What's a spiritual practice that you do in your life?
1: For me, it's well, one being around friends, exercise, and and try to just take time for myself. And, and I, I would say for me the most spiritual is just keeping my work life balance as healthy as possible by trying not to work too much, not to get too stressed with too many things.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so important. Keeping stress levels low. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. You're fantastic. Thanks. I would love to. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Blonde and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may
1: contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.